Hello, this is an audio version of a lockdown special live video stream, which you can still find on British Canoeing's YouTube and Facebook channels. Today, Etienne Stott chats with Nuria Newman. All right then, well, welcome back everybody. Welcome to another episode of British Canoeing's Paddlecast. I'm really happy for you to be joining me here. Um, today, I've uh, got Nuria Newman all the way from France uh, joining me in this virtual space for a good old chat. And uh, Nuria, it's lovely to have you here and thanks for coming along. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again, Etienne. It's been a while, eh? Yeah, well, the last time I bumped into you literally was on the train home from the Pyrenees in the middle of the winter. And you were the least, last person I'd have expected to see. So uh, it's cool to see you again. And I'm glad, you know, I, I really appreciate you having the, taking the time to come in tonight. So I just thought I was uh, asking you, you know, what is it being like in this lockdown? I know it's a normal question, but you know it must be really strange for you. Um, it's it's kind of a little bit sad to not really be able to get on the water, and I find it uh, quite hard to just not know what's next. But uh, mm. I guess everything is in the same situation, so all you can do is uh, try to keep going and and mm. do your best and when did you when did this kind of really become a reality for you because I guess for a lot of people this has kind of snuck up on them and they kind of were trying to oh it's going to be okay it's going to be okay and then all of a sudden you know it's not okay this is this is happening now when did that kind of dawn on you um so for me it was a little bit tricky because I was uh traveling in the U.S. Ah. and I had sort of two parallel stream of information where I had like the French information where everyone is like, this is serious, like uh, you should fly back and get there as soon as possible. And then the other informations in the US like, this is okay, it's just some regular flu, whatever. And mm -hmm. so I had like, two contradictory things. And at some point I was traveling with uh, Liam Fournier, who's a mm -hmm. young filmmaker um because we're, we're working on a project together and uh we started checking canadian news and then canada was getting really serious where they were calling older citizens abroad to make it back to canada as soon as possible and so we just realized how bad it was and uh we just drove at 4 a.m uh, out of the States the, the very next day. And I got home uh, maybe 12 hours before lockdown started. Wow. So um, you were kind of stuck in a sort of triple jam between different countries dealing with their, their just, the coronavirus in a different way. Just different informations. You have no clue what's going on. And then when you actually start trying to make a decision based on not much, yeah. uh, you realize, that you're catching up pretty much the last plane to France and then <laughs> the very last train to the Alps. And if I would have wanted to even try to make it uh, to my mom's place in the Pyrenees rather than my dad's in the Alps, I would have probably not even be able to travel all the way there because it's further from mm. Paris and train were like very complicated. Uh, so it was, it was definitely kind of weird to just go on a paddling trip and then next thing you know it's all this mess happening and you have no clue and we still have no clue you know like 
Supposedly, we're out of lockdown this Monday, but oh, wow. no one knows how it's going to be like, or it depends on the areas you live in, or I don't know to which extent it will be allowed to kayak. Mm. Uh, at least we won't have to carry paper tracking or whatever with us at all time, but mm. we also are not allowed to go further than a uh, hundred kilometer from her house. Okay. It's just it's just unclear. But yeah, no uh, one knows, eh? So what have you been doing? And what have you been doing whilst uh, whilst this has been happening? Have you been had a regular schedule or has it just been like uh, every day different, strange? Do you have a structure yeah. in your life? You know, I, I usually don't have a structure in my life when it's normal time. Uh, so in this weird time, I still don't have a structure, uh, not much of it, but um, basically just trying not to go crazy. That's that's been a, a full time full time job. <laughs> and what about what about training? Have you get, getting any training done? Because uh, we had a recently had a conversation with Bren Orton and Sal Montgomery, and they were actually uh, you know they were doing quite a bit of training. It seemed like just to keep themselves going. You know, like a couple core sessions and a little bit of running here and then, which is illegal in France if you go further than one kilometer from your house. Oh, wow. But uh, definitely not fully respected that because yeah. there is no one around my house. Like, it's just mm. the mountains. Um, but we've been – we've had to, to dodge quite a few police controls Mm. Um, which feels kind of silly when you're just on a hike or outside. Like it, it certainly doesn't feel like you're doing anything wrong, and you know they're looking out for you because you are doing something wrong. But literally, you're just walking in the mountains or doing mm. whatever outdoors in the mountains, which which shouldn't be a problem because you're not gonna like have any social contact with other people or things like that but um no i'm not doing like core every day and then i don't have a gym or and i don't even want to do that because i feel i mean you've you've been training slalom and you know how hard it is to fully train when you don't have a goal like it doesn't make sense to fully train and let's say you're going to do intervals and you're like nine months from your main yeah. goal you've got and to have so right now, really strong in your head to aim for so right now there is no main goal so i guess rather than training i would call it maintaining mm. just fundamental basics but that's also from a very slalomy perspective yeah, which I feel like if you grew up in a different like uh, kayaking background, you probably not, you know, you probably don't have the same knowledge of um, your peak form or whatever. Mm. And so, and and then with your own experience, you usually start doing things differently because you know that if you start going too hard too soon, you will collapse. Uh, before the very end of the season and you remember that you have to be good at world championships and not mm. necessarily win the four 
first World Cup, unless you're Jess and then you can just win everything because <laughs> you're just faster than anyone else, really. And so your your slalom background, I mean, I guess, you know, I know you as a slalom paddler. Um, and has that really kind of um, given you a very strong idea? Have you, caught, have you brought, it sounds like you have brought that kind of culture, that, that thinking into your, your white water paddling now. Um, I think for for what I'm paddling now, it's been really good because it gives you strong basics, whether mm. that's physically Although sometimes it's a little bit too short compared yeah, to what yeah. I do now, but it gives you like a good basics. And then technically in slalom, you have to be precise mm. and you have to be technically good and you get to work on moves over and over in a more controlled environment. But I feel like it's really giving you like good automatics, mm. yeah. uh, you know, like, like you literally i mean i was working with even now disease so maybe that's also even different because every coaches they have you know their little things that they really like working on and mm. he was very strongly motivated with like inside strokes and boat control and not drifting and i feel like those things like holding on my inside strokes and and draws and kind of using also like the outside edge of, of the slalom boat. It, it's things that I'm still using now uh, when I'm river running mm. and it's very useful to just be in the right spot. So that definitely gives you like some, some good help for, for river running. Yeah. And does it inform your training methods as well or your, you know, your preparations, you know, that sort of meticulous, you know, you said earlier about your goals, you know, kind of working back from your goal and, and setting out your plan like that. Or is it, is that something you've kind of moved away from as you've been more doing more, um, more, more white water I've, stuff? I've, yeah, I've definitely moved away from that. And that was probably not something I was really good at, like following the training plan was oh, yeah. probably not my main strengths you know i would have the training plan and then if, if there's a good opportunity to go skiing instead of going to the gym i was definitely skipping the gym you know or yeah um, so i was i was not really like strict compared to some of my teammates yeah, yeah. Um, you know but uh i feel like when i analyze a line having that slalom sort of background uh definitely helps you know like it's just you you know when you walk your course and mm. when you're scouted rapid i find it very similar yeah it's like you walk the course it's either you're gonna do the move forward or you're gonna spin and you kind of have that first intuition that oh i don't know about the forward and when you mm. get to a rapid and you're like oh i don't know about that move and it's, it's something very similar that usually when you're not sure mm. you should probably not go for it yeah uh, and in slalom sometimes you can play with it because worst case you touch or you miss the gate and mm. and you just mess up your race uh but in river running um when you mess up sometimes it, it hurts a little bit more yeah. than just your ego just i mean you know you get last of a race sure yeah. like i've cried over bad races but uh 
it's definitely not as bad as running her full rapid upside down most mm. of the time. Because that's interesting to me what you said there, you know, because I was thinking, yeah, your instinct, you know, when I came down to a slalom course on, you know, Friday night or Saturday morning, whatever, you know, you're looking at it and your first instinct is, yeah, forwards or spin on that option. But then very often you come to have to, the, well, I came to the place where I had to actually convince myself that, you know, the thing that I thought, first of all, was not the thing to do because perhaps I was a bit scared or perhaps a bit too nervous. So I had to do like research and, you know, watch the videos, watch the forerunners, watch the other athletes trying to, con you know, to come up with a really clear game plan to do it, not the way that I would have done it given you know given just my first shot but I guess in a lot of the time of river running you don't get big in-depth analysis you can't spend you know hours and hours looking at the rapid either because you've got to kind of move on and also you just don't get loads of people to kind of collect that data from you've got to kind of choose your you know choose stuff with a much smaller amount of kind of information is, is that does that thrill you or does that scare you or do you just stick like you say with your instincts um I feel like most of the people that I would paddle with river running uh they don't have the same background they don't have the same technique they don't have the same weight through the same power and we paddle very differently uh and so you know if, if i just look at a guy running a rapid it actually doesn't give me much more information a lot of the time mm. you know and like unless it's annual or even or paddlers that are, i feel like very inspired by their technique mm. um it's it's not really a huge information you know like you're gonna see a boy taking a huge um right boof stroke and it's like yeah but that was obvious like it's not mm. of any help like it's something that i can tell without seeing anyone running the rapid and so I try to also not look at that because they do things that work for them that wouldn't necessarily work for me. Like mm. if I'm 60 kilo in a big boat and I try to force through a wave, the chances that it's just going to like stop my speed rather than going through compared mm. to an 85 kilo person um yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be way different so i just try to look at the rapid and kind of do my own thing and then sometimes when i get the chance to paddle with really good paddlers on runs that i can try things uh then i will usually like ask evan or anyone to yeah. if i can just like paddle behind them for a little bit and see how like they take sometimes opposite strokes and you try things and you can discuss it with them but in slalom you have you know you're also not just trying to do what works mm. you're trying to do what goes faster whereas yeah, yeah, in river yeah. running it's if it's clean and it looks stylish it's good <laughs> enough and yeah. you don't necessarily need to be the faster which i feel that's where you start like okay, no, I cannot do a spin because that would be slower, even if that mm. was something you feel way more comfortable doing. And sometimes yeah. it's so hard because maybe you lose a second on the spin, but yeah. it will give you so much more confidence that yeah, you, can you can actually make the whole course clean, yeah. that you can mm. gain time by losing time. And it's that yeah. whole balance that is, is really amazing with slalom. is like this kind of like giant, 
problem solving all the yeah. time. And river and running is like, in, like this. Yeah. The sort of confidence side of things, I'm assuming that's what's really important, right? You you figure out a line or a method that you can commit to in these massive rapids. It must be really about convincing yourself that this is what I'm doing and, and hitting it really hard, like a race run, but it takes a different process to get there. I, I feel like sometimes it's easy and you just know it, mm. uh, and that's fine. And sometimes you, the rapids are like right you know, like on more towards the edge. Yeah, and that's okay. when I find that the decision-making is, is really a harder process because you see the line and you know you can do it, but you also see the consequences and you see how a small mistake could just be really yeah. putting you into trouble. Scary. And yeah. I feel like this this is the hardest part. And what I usually do when I want to run a rapid and i'm not sure i fully break it down into the moves that i have to do and if you look at it a lot of the time i'm like okay this is a hestern it's technically it's a class two move above mm. a class five drop but yeah. i've done hesterns <laughs> when i was training slalom i would do like thousands of hestern a month and so you're like okay i know how to do that and then mm. remove that out of the equation and you only have the drop or the lineup. Yeah. And if I'm like fully confident and I feel good about the rapid once it's broken down, it's good to know to go. But if you have a single doubt on even one of the smallest move, I would just portage. Yeah. And that's that, good I mean, for it's you. Really it's really interesting what you're saying there because it to me is about one of the key things for my racing and, and I think even when I've done and I've never done anything quite as intense as you but when I've done white water stuff you have to really try and stay in the moment and not let your mind get ahead to the next section you know to the next in slalom it's the next move the next game you have to deal with what's right in front of you there and commit you know put everything into that line right there and I'm I'm, I'm barely clear in myself that's how i'd like to run rivers and do stuff because that seems to be the only sensible thing to do otherwise your mind wanders off into the future and you mess something up like you say a you know a tiny little bit that actually has bigger consequences later on i think that's for me the beauty of intense moments where you're focused entirely in the present and then you, you things happen you do it and then it's over and it's done and it's an amazing feeling does that, do, do you identify with that yeah, I think that's that's similar to all whitewater disciplines and it's it's true for the future and it's also true in the past. Mm, like, you yes. know, in Salem when you start touching gate one and yeah. you're like, oh my God, what an idiot. And then when you start telling yourself you're an idiot, you're already like three steps behind because mm -hmm. you've been analyzing your mistake and it's the same in river running and because... We evolved in an environment, whether it's slalom or downriver or, or creaking, mm. you evolve in, in an environment that's constantly moving behind you, under you, and in front of you. And mm. so if you're not like 100% focused on what's happening, and if you're not like looking and listening and feeling, then mm. really you start, you know, accumulating like small and small mistakes and the river is not stopping so yeah 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm always, I find the crossover between these areas really, really fascinating. And I think one of the questions I was going to ask you, you know, I, I, I watched some of your videos before doing this interview and there's one clip really struck me and it's uh i think we'll put the link up at some point but it will is in uh, indus in india and you're doing a solo navigation of this river and you look like you're having basically a, i'd count it as a bad day and a really scary day and i thought i'd ask you about that because that looks like it must have been one of the toughest times then i'd also like after that maybe we'll talk about one of your best days on the river so i just want to get the the two one of the one of each of those sides but is was that you know was that was that that struck me as being a tough day uh yes that's definitely not a great day uh definitely not my smartest day i was doing a solo and paddling alone and i had done quite a few little mistakes you know even in the preparation like uh indian customs kept my dry suits so i didn't have a dry suit and then oh, wow. i should have spent more time you know trying to get used to the elevation and mm -hmm. i thought oh, i'll be fine um and then you know same problems as what i've always had whether it's at slalom or at school is uh sometimes i space out mm -hmm. and uh i i just you know it's cloud bursting and looking at the landscapes and you know you've got mountain goats and you know a lot of cool stuff around you and uh i didn't really see um one of the rapid coming and once i realized that it was way bigger than what mm. i wanted to run blind and that i wanted to scout i realized that on both shore it was uh, pretty cliffed in yeah so instead of stopping and catching the last eddy, I was like, okay, just um, just stay in the flow and read and run. Yeah. Because uh, I, yeah, I, I, I had been told that this part of the 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 multi day that I was doing was the easiest part. Okay. Uh, and there's a portage on and this it. This is it here, right? This is what we're coming now to the bit it, where. And then I got stuck um in that pocket. Uh, water levels were substantially higher than what it is normally for the season. Mm. Uh, but it it was it was great water levels. Like I just spaced out and did a very stupid mistake and got pinned uh, above a, a siphon. And then eventually I was like, okay, I'll manage to get out and got my dry bag, my paddle on shore and. I thought maybe I could clip the boat, jump on shore, and get out. And I got uh, sucked under the siphon, oh. which is pretty much the worst possible scenario. Mm. Um, and then it's not over. You need to swim after your boat and <laughs> cold and, and deal with being scared. And it was definitely not an easy day. But uh, yeah. And I suppose it's interesting because I've watched a number of your clips as well, and, and it seems like you know you're really um, candid and you're really open about how kind of scary some of this stuff is, you know. And I can see on one of the other clips how you look really scared, basically. And I was terrified. I and mean, I just feel just, like, go on, sorry, go on. There, there is no point of like trying to hide it and play tough and be like, oh, this is fine. What mm. we're doing is so extreme, you know, like, 
I think we do it because we love it. And sometimes it's scarier than what I would like. And then it sucks, you know, like there is a level of fear that I really embrace and I really love. And that's the fear Mm. that pushes me to go further and be better. And that was a level of fear that it was just too much. Mm. And it, it was hard to keep going after. And, and sometimes, you know, like sometimes kayaking is just amazing. And sometimes it just sucks, you know, when you're scared and cold. And I mean, when you have to train at Lee Valley and it's minus, I don't know how many Celsius, like let's face it. No one is like, Oh, sweet. It's minus 10 and I'm going to train in white water today. You know, I always had him in front of me though to kind of keep the water out of my face and stuff. But I mean, that's that's the thing, you know. What what I saw there was I, I'm still actually, you know, I'm, I was quite touched by it. I was really like, wow, this is this was serious serious business. And I figure it'd be interesting as well. So you know, what can you put your finger on or describe? Maybe tell a little bit of the story about your best your best ever day out there. You know, what's the one that if you were like that that's it. That's what I want to that. If that's a too difficult question, but go on, give it a try. I think I had so many really, really good days where it's just, it's just really good. Um, you know, like whenever you're paddling with a good crew on a good river uh, and things are good and you're feeling good in the boat, it's, it's just really amazing. I think. Um, Paddling in this year, I had a I had a, a lap down the Little White Salmon okay. uh, with with Evan Garcia, uh, T. Brat, Isaac, James Bird, and Benny Moore, uh, and that that was just amazing because we're just following each other and floating around, and you look back at your friend and they're just styling every single move, and <sighs> so happy for them, and then you're styling some moves and you're feeling great and everyone has like huge smiles on their face. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a, a lot of days uh, like this, there's just like pure, really easy, fun kayaking. And then sometimes you also have like, you know, the best day ever could be when you, we got on this river with, with Ben and, and Boomer in Patagonia last year. And uh, we pretty much hiked all the way up to the source of that river because on Google Earth, there were like eight canyons that looked bedrock and amazing. And every time we'd reach a canyon, it was like unrunnable. Mm. And you keep going because you're like, okay, but there's five more canyons upstream. Maybe those ones are good. And so we ended up hiking all the way up that river and all the way down. And... You know, it, it's pretty because it was unrunnable because you you were looking for the runnable rapid and never found it, and yeah, just no, I never it. found it, and then oh, we man. paddled down, and every single canyon we portaged around, so we pretty much hiked like like four days up wow. and down the river, and then the last day we were undecided whether we'd try the bottom section of the river, and we're like, okay, we've we've done the upper stretch, let's let's at least try to see what's downstream mm. and uh, we found this amazing uh, waterfall that was the first descent and we all ran it and then at the end 
when we got out from the river, this local lady invited us for coffee and and oh, cool. little cakes at her house. And you're like, oh, this is this is the best day ever. But it's also because you've spent the previous four yeah, days like, walking and and being miserable, and and then maybe you a little bit more appreciative for what you get this time. I got to be honest with you. I hate carrying plastic boats. It's just they're so heavy, and you know, must be, you know you're oh, you're not the biggest person with the greatest of respect. You're relatively small words. It must be brutal having four. I can't imagine carrying a kayak for four days, let alone I can't imagine carrying for four hours, let alone four days. And it must be just, you know, that must be tough. But like you say, maybe the contrast. You know, when you, when you've suffered, then you have that moment of of, of joy afterwards. Well, I think now if you want to do, you know, you can do the same things and run big drops and big slides all the time. Uh, and it's great, mad respect for the people who do that. But I feel like for me, the next step in my kayaking and the way to push myself is not necessarily to go do what everyone else is doing. Mm. Like, Sure, it's cool to go to Chile and you do the classics and you run hard rapids, but you also put on at a bridge and you take out at a bridge and you just do the same thing as what everyone else has done, mm. where when you carry your boat for three days and you get to a river and you have no clue what it's going to be like and then you need to put together this this problem-solving you know, looking at maps and carrying your boats and, you know, you have hard portages and you always get to spots where it's tricky. I think for me that is where what I want to do next. Um, and I sure enjoy easy days on, on the river, but I also want to do the the more remote rivers and helicopters are way too expensive for me. So. <laughs> So you'd like the, yeah, the, we can just see it now crashing through the forest and stuff. Yeah, I've accepted the fact that if I want to do this, I need to suffer a little bit because mm, uh, yeah. I don't have the budget to make it happen otherwise. But if someone wants to support me with helicopter flights, I mean, I'd happily skip the three days of hiking with like a 40 kilo kayak on my back. And so what's next then? So when we kind of come out of this, just, uh, you know, have you started to get something about what you're doing next or is it just you just have to ride this out a bit longer before you start thinking? Um, well, I had I had two big projects for this year and um, they're kind of crushed mm. right now. I, I don't think the feasibility of it is very uncertain. One was for June, July. Uh, and I doubt that I would be able to travel internationally before the very end of the year. Yeah. Uh, and then I was trying to yeah. go on an expedition, maybe in India, uh, mm -hmm. end of August, September. And that's also very much compromised. So, and I also don't know if I want to, you, you know how when you don't train slalom for two weeks and you take your paddle back in your hands and it just feels really weird. And so this year I was injured for two months um, with a wrist problem. And then I got back in the boat and now I haven't kayaked for another eight weeks. Okay, so you might be a bit and rusty. I'm gonna, 
and I'm gonna restart, but most likely I won't be able to run like like any big water or any waterfall because we don't have any of that in France. And so I don't know if I will be ready to drop into either of this project like this. Like I, mm. I will try, but I'm giving myself the possibility that if I'm not ready, I will just push it and postpone it to next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would be like if you're off the couch and and you have Tokyo 2020 and 2020 instead of 2021. Mm. Um, it it would be it would be pretty silly because you'd have you know people that are not necessarily ready and yeah. No, and I, I agree. Crash. And it's good that you can feel like I think absolutely. I'm sure you must have to have really deep confidence in yourself to be able to do what you're doing because. Well, it looks like you need it, to be honest. <laughs> so I just wanted to say, look, you know, it's really lovely to have you here. Um, thank you so much. Um, I don't know, is there anything else you want to tell the viewers before you leave? Because it's, uh, you know, you're getting to speak to British canoeing people here. They Ooh. want to hear what you've got. Ooh, British canoeing people. Well, yeah, um, And the whole world, we're going around everywhere. Oh, you, you guys are worldwide. No, I hope uh, everyone you know, gets out of this and motivated to, to go kayaking and I think it won't be a problem and, you know, maybe this sucks right now but eventually we'll have even more fun on the river later. We'll appreciate it. This is way worse than a week-long hiking with a kayak on your back. Yeah. Now, fair enough. Well, thank you so much. Look, brilliant to have you. Um, everybody, just remember... We do the Paddlecast live every Thursday evening now at 7 p.m. going out across social media platforms. Please come along. You can ask questions live. We're going to just be chatting, all sorts of things going on. But just for now, Nuria, thank you so much for coming. Stay safe and uh, wish you well on the other side of this uh, COVID-19 time. And, uh, yeah, look forward to seeing what you yeah. get up to next. Right back at you, Etienne. See you somewhere in a random train station. <laughs> <laughs> See ya.